Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Today we have a special guest by the name of Tim Winders, who is a performance coach and author who specializes in helping executive teams and entrepreneurial leaders maximize their potential by looking beyond traditional cookie cutter methods that often limit the creative process. A longtime student, he thrives on helping people discover how to live outside the box and walk out their their unique God-given calling. In his own life, he has frequently taken the road less traveled and found great satisfaction off the beaten path. As host of Seek, Go, Create podcast, Tim goes to that to out-of-the-way places to bring people um, who define success and impact our world in remarkable ways as dreamers, movers, strategists, and connectors. Welcome, Tim. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate it. Great to be here with you. Nice for you to be here. You speak about struggles and challenges will often lead to a more fulfilling life. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, uh, I think as much as we hate to admit it, I think our our natural tendency would be that we love comfort. We love being in a place where everything's going great. Everything's just falling into place. Things are easy. But in my life and being in the role that I'm in, and I know even with uh, many of the things that you talk about and teach about yourself, it just seems as if those difficult times, those times that are challenging, those times that stretch us, those times that we wouldn't wish upon ourselves, but once we get through them and then look back on them, we realize that in all likelihood, we grew more during those challenges than we would have during those times of comfort. And it's unfortunate, but I've observed that that's been the case in my life and really a lot of the people I interact with. So I guess that's what I mean by that. Does that help? That sure does. And I I don't think any of us would be thankful for all the difficult times we've been through. There are are teeth gnashing. They're they're really difficult times. And we, we we, we struggle through them. We struggle through them mightily. But when we get through to the other side, that is how we have real growth. I agree with you 100%. That's one of the major things that we do with that. And one thing you've done is you've become a more of a nomadic sort of person, traveling from place to place, uh, looking for these adventures. Tell us a little bit more about that, Tim. Yeah, I was listening as you were doing the introduction for me there. It says he goes to out-of-the-way places, and some people might say, oh, that sounds odd. Does he really do that well? Currently, I'm sitting in the passenger seat of our home, which is our RV. We actually live, travel, and work in our RV, and this is my office in the front uh, passenger seat of the RV. We are in the mountains of Utah, of sort of northern Utah, just just east of uh, Salt Lake, just south of Park City, Utah. And this weekend, we'll be traveling to South Dakota. We'll be there for a little while. Then we're going to be traveling east. We're planning to be in Maine towards the end of this year in the fall. We've 
we've been all over. And so when I say we go to out of the way places and that we live a, a, a life that's a little bit different, that's one of the things we mean by that, Alan. We just, uh, through a course of events that maybe we'll discuss shortly, just ended up realizing that it might be best just to eliminate almost all of our possessions. We haven't given up everything, but we've eliminated almost everything and just live a simpler life. And, uh, and we've enjoyed it, you know, coming out of the last year or so when, you know, the world has changed for almost everyone, you know, with the pandemic and just a lot of other things going on, we actually realized that we might be positioned very well for whatever the future may hold by living simple and different than a lot of the world is living. Can you give some people some tips for working and making money while on the road? <laughs> well, uh, sure. I could, I could cover, uh, and, I, and I'm kind of the nature of my personality. You know, Alan, we've known each other for a long time. Is I'll, I'll give the good stuff, and I'll also tell some of the challenges that you need to overcome. And, and I'll tell you that the biggest issue we deal with, we actually dealt with it right when we were starting was possibly an internet, you know, we, we're, we're mobile, we don't have a, you know, a fixed location. So sometimes internet can be a challenge. And so a big recommendation, a big tip for that, because we're in a very connected world. And I am sure that some people can live, work, make money without being online. That's just not our story. We have to be online. I'm a coach. I work with leaders and leadership teams. I'm an author. I've got a book that we'll be releasing in the not too distant future. And, and I've got a podcast where I do interviews very similar to this. And I get to speak to great people like you and others. And, and so we need a connection. And so my first, I guess, practical tip would be you need to be diversified. So we have unlimited internet hotspots for here in the United States, T-Mobile, Verizon, AT&T, and we also try to hook up to local. I've got two antennas that are up on my roof above me that are about three feet tall that try to reach out and grab as much internet juice and pull it in here as I can. And I'll tell you that uh, this next weekend, we'll pull to a place, we'll travel over to South Dakota. And when I get there, one of my first activities is checking to see which of those options works the best. And I kind of rank them. I go, okay, here, the T-Mobile works the best. And Verizon is second. And, you know, the local internet, not so good. Or some places, the local internet works. And AT&T's next. So, so from a very practical standpoint, you know, we don't live in a home where you've just got a, you know, a fiber cable running into the home and you've got your internet, which sometimes that's not all that uh, dependable. So uh, that's a practical thing. You know, another thing, Alan, that I think is interesting in the culture that we're in you just have to be mindful about the stuff that you own because essentially we live in a tiny home on wheels and there's about 400 square feet maybe less i, I haven't ex measured it exactly but it's right around 400 square feet that my wife and i live in 24 7 we do our work we live we eat all of that and so we don't really have a walk-in closet to have, you know, multiple suits and outfits and clothing. And, uh, you know, I've got a little closet that I'm, for those seeing the video here is, you know, about 12 inches, 12 inches wide and got a few shirts, few pairs of pants, and that's about it. And you know what? I actually, 
I personally enjoy that. You'd have to enter my wife, interview my wife to discuss with her, but there's just something about, I don't know, minimalism, essentialism. You know, those are some words that have been thrown around in our culture, Alan. And, and you have to work hard in our culture to not accumulate a lot of stuff. Yeah, I know that so much. We're in the process of downsizing right now. We've lived in the same house for 40 years. And it's amazing how much stuff you can accumulate in that time. And we've got a big house. So there's a lot of stuff that we've accumulated. I'm looking back at all of Dan Kennedy's old notes when we were in Dan Kennedy's days and how much we actually accumulated all that and how much we had. And we did well. You know, we did well because of him. But again, the accumulation culture is one that has to... Divest at a certain time, so I'm certainly divesting now. And main main part of my next year is going to be getting down to a simpler life. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's important. And that's not easy, though, is it? I mean, it, it's tough, especially with you know you got your family, you've got things, you've got things that have been there for a long time, and so you look at this mug and say, "Wow, you know, Grandma drank out of this mug and." You know, should we keep it? Should we donate? Should could someone else use it? And that's a challenge. So I'll I'll be I'll be uh, pulling for you as you do that because I know that there's some work involved with that. Yeah, a lot of work. And I tell you, today I'm sure the garbage man is very upset with us as we send all this stuff to recycling and to garbage collecting because there's a certainly a large amount that we've done and a large amount left to go. Yeah, and the ta- the challenge that we ran into is that we thought a lot of our stuff as we got rid of it, we were in a 6,000 square foot home at one point and paring down. We had been there only about 10 to 12 years. And Alan, one of the things that was a little, I guess, opening for us was that really a lot of the things that we had valued really didn't have a lot of value in the marketplace. If you understand what I'm saying, you know, we went to our grudge and said, do you want this bedroom suit? Do you want this? And they said, you know, the, the generation behind us, they don't quite accumulate like we do. They, they really prefer experiences and travel and all of that. And we collected stuff and uh, our kids didn't want things. We called up other people and tried to give things away, tried to sell briefly, and then eventually couldn't give it away. I'll tell you one of the most beautiful things we did, though, just kind of as an aside, I think you'll appreciate it. We lived in a small town between Atlanta and Augusta, and they had a small library there. And as you can imagine, I had quite a uh, quite a number of books, which were difficult to part with, but there comes a time where books are just sitting on shelves and with the digital age, you could almost do a search digitally to find things easier than you could go through things that are still on your shelf. And you may go through this because I'm, I'm guessing you have a lot of books in a large library. And so we had a, we had a van at the time, Alan, and we loaded that van up. I think it was three times with children's books, with, with my books. I loved history and personal and self-development and, and just educational books. And my wife had a lot of cookbooks and we took those to our local library. And, and we are pretty confident that we doubled their children's section in the library with the donation that we gave to them. And now, you know what, it blesses us to know that instead of just sitting on our shelves or in a box, you know, just collecting dust, that that some child could walk in and check that out and use that. So 
anyway, I, I don't, that's a little aside. I'm not even sure why I shared that, but I, I, bet I think you're it's gonna important. Go through I think we should always look at giving. And when you're stuck in something, I think one of the ways out of being stuck is to give. And, and I think that's an important thing that we can do in our day is to end up giving rather than just taking. Sure. What's the importance of having a coach or a mentor, Tim? You know, here I, I would preface this to say that I had a conversation with a leadership expert yesterday on my podcast, and he really was saying that many people don't need a coach. They probably just need community. And, and I did not disagree with him because I think a lot of people think that a coach might be the magic bullet for them, that they could actually change their life for them. But I will say because of that's who I am, that's the way I'm wired. The biggest value to having a coach is that it helps helps us with, to me, one of the most significant um, items that most of us have challenges with, and that is self-awareness, knowing what maybe our strengths are and what our weaknesses are, helping helping us stay focused on the things that are critical and important versus the minutia that we need to stay out of. And so it's often good just to have another set of eyes. And so that is where a coach or a mentor steps in. And I do believe, and I've seen this, my wife and I are this way. I think many times couples and their spouse might can serve in a role that just provide another eye for them and help them with that. Sometimes that's positive. Sometimes it's not, by the way, in a, in a, in a, in a marriage situation or relationship. But I know what I love to do. And I know you do the same because I've seen you do it is I love to step in situations where someone is at a place. Let's just say that they are at point C and they would really like to get to point M and they just don't see how to get from C to M. And so as a coach, as a mentor, as another set of eyes, we can look and just help them go from C to D to E to F and G just to begin moving along towards that that goal that they're working towards. So that to me is one of the values of a coach. I think there are a number of other things. I think it's good at times just for people to have a sounding board because leadership, running a business, being an entrepreneur, running a practice as you, as you did, you know that it can at times get lonely because you probably are the tip of the ice. I mean, not tip of the top of the mountain. There's there's no one above you. You're making those tough decisions. You're making the decisions of, of when to deploy capital, when to hire, when to not hire, fire, let people go. And I think it's just good to have someone else to talk to that can, they don't know all the answers, but at least you can just kind of bounce things off of them. Those are a number of things. I could probably continue talking about the value of a coach, but those are some of the ones that come to mind. I think I've had some coaching from Evan Pagan, one of the best coaches, I think, in the world. And he basically gives an environment where you feel comfortable and he allows you to be yourself, which I think is one of the most important things. Uh, being in that environment without being cho- without being looked at in any other way, you don't have to succeed. You don't have to fail, but you're just in a loving environment to move forward. Yeah, that's good. And, the, you know, the other thing about it, my guess, you referred to it earlier, the the environments that you and I originally met in back in, uh, you know, the Glazer Kennedy and the Dan Kennedy world is that, yes, we were in a comfortable environment and we were in a comfortable environment 
that we could move at our own pace, but we were bouncing off some high performers that were doing some really big things in the world. And there was just something that pulled us and, you know, pulled at the insides of us to, to do more, to kind of reach out and, and achieve more than probably we could had we just been, I don't want to say flailing by ourselves, because I think everyone that was there was successful in their own right independently. But when they came together collectively in that type of environment, like you just mentioned with Evan, it, it just really drew out the best, I think, the best in the people that were in the room. Yeah, I think so. And what do you think about leadership in this day and age? What is your definition of leadership? You know, that's uh, that's such a timely question that you ask that. And I, my mind first goes back to one of the original definitions of leadership that I heard in the early 90s, which is a leader is someone who has people that follow. And over the years, I've used that, but I'm not sure that I totally buy into that definition. I actually spoke to someone yesterday as an interview for our podcast, and we had the same discussion. And we said that leadership was the ability to inspire people to do things that they would not have ordinarily done or they would not have done on their own. And we even had the discussion, well, that it could also lead to manipulation because there's a lot of people that have forced people to do things that they that they don't really require. But, Alan, I, I did a series on our podcast called The Ultimate Leader back in the fall of 2019. So it's going on a year, year and a half old now. And I spent about nine episodes really breaking down what I believe leadership is, and I, and I think for your listener, and you know this about me, but for your listener, they need to know I come from a background as an engineer, as a business person. I spent some time in corporate, about nine years, and also an entrepreneur. We built companies, but then I've also been in ministry. I'm a follower of Christ. I, I, I have a pretty strong spiritual foundation. And so, so the definition that really is welled up inside of me that a leader is a steward, a caretaker, an overseer of those people, places, and things that they have been gifted with to take care of. Now, I also add that it might be something that God has blessed you with. So, and I say that because I had an interesting situation. I, I was doing this, this discussion on leadership, Alan. And this person said to me, it was a female and it was, uh, I'll just say mature, older female that said, oh, you're talking about leadership. I don't need to hear that because I'm not a leader. Well, it was interesting because I was actually, my wife and I were visiting this person at their home. And this person was a wife to a husband that she was a caretaker for. And she also helped with her other siblings take care of them. And they also had a farm that their children ran some of it, but it was a farm that I don't know the acreage, but 50 acres. And it, it had all types of animals and they had some crops that they dealt with and all of that. And it just struck me, Alan, that this person did not call themselves a leader, but yet to me, they were leading or overseeing all of these resources, all of these assets, these people, they were, she was a caretaker for her adult husband. And for some of her siblings that were adults. And so th the reason I've kind of taken it out of the business setting, taking it, taking it out of the corporate setting 
is to say that I believe that right now there's a single mom that's juggling resources, finances, has very minimal financial resources, but has a young child that they're trying to feed and take care of. And they're probably working a job or two. And to me, they are no less of a leader. In fact, maybe even more so of a leader because they're a steward, a caretaker. They're a steward or a caretaker over that that they've been gifted with, that young child and, and the small resources, as much as a Fortune 500 corporate leader that's overseeing millions, if not billions of dollars. And so to me, that's just a kind of a paradigm shift as far as leadership. And I know that was a long answer to your question, but hopefully that resonates with you and it, and it made some sense. That's great, Tim. And we're getting close to our end. I try to keep these podcasts now at about 20 minutes. Apparently, that is the, the golden time frame for podcasts these days. So we're just about there. So I'm going to ask you one final question. Who is Tim Winters? <laughs> Who is Tim Winters? Well, he's a, he's a number of things. The first answer that I typically give people is that I'm a, I'm a man of faith. I'm a follower of Christ. So I'm a believer, and uh, and then I'm also the husband to Glory, the father to Dulcie and Joshua, and now I'm a grandfather. So those would be my first answers on all of those. And the bio that you said at the beginning is all the business stuff and author, podcast host, all that kind of stuff. That's awesome stuff. But if you were to ask me who I am, that's what I would answer. That's fantastic, Tim. Well, Tim, it's been a delight to have you today. We've covered a lot of trails today, and I thank you very much for spending this time with me. We'll have to do it again. Absolutely. Thank you, Alan. Always a joy to talk to you. I'm Dr. Alan Leica. Make sure you go to DrAllenLeica.com. That's D-R-A-L-L-E-N. Leica, L-Y-C-K-A dot com, and get a free copy of my book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, and subscribe to our podcast on this page so you won't miss a single episode. Every week we have exciting guests to help you have the best life you can.